Hey, ladies, this is Paige here again with Entourage Ministries. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We would love to have you join us in person in person for worship at one of our monthly worship gatherings. We meet in Durant at the Monterey in the Arts District of Durant at 6.30 on the second Tuesday of every month. You do not have to be from Durant to come. Uh, we would absolutely love to have you there. Entourage Ministries is a multi-generational, multi-denominational ministry, and we get our inspiration from Psalm 68.11, which talks about this great army of women that proclaim the good news of the Lord. And so that's us. That's what we're about. And even in in diving into this podcast, we want to to inspire any woman in her walk with the Lord who may identify as being someone that is part of that great host of women proclaiming the the good news of of the Lord. Uh, Today, we're going to be looking at the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis. Um, his story is incredible. It is probably probably one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It covers several chapters in the book of Genesis, and we're going to weave in and out of those. For later, I would encourage you to dive into these passages on your own, um, verify that what I told you is the truth, and then see if there's additional truth that the Lord wants to unfold to you. So specifically, um, in Genesis chapter 37, probably into 43, we're going to be coming in and out of in and out of passages there. I just want to give you an overview of who Joseph is and where we are landing in the Bible so that you have some context. Um, If you're ever reading your Bible and you want context, there's a great resource. uh, I believe it's called thebibleproject.com. And uh, they have a podcast as well, but you can just search by book um, or, or character in the Bible and they'll give you some backstory. And for me, Backstory is always good so that I have an idea of, of what I'm looking at for, for moving forward. So that's just um, a side note. So um, think back to the Garden of Eden, right? That's the beginning of Genesis. Uh, we know that there sin entered the world there and there was a separation um, from Adam and Eve and, and the presence of God in the garden. Uh, then we kind of think of Noah as the next big character. There's a great flood. Noah found grace and favor in the sight of the Lord and and his family, um, their lives were uh, were saved um, through an ark um, that was, was given to them by revelation from the Lord and their obedience to uh, to doing what he'd asked them to do. Then after that, we meet a man named Abraham and his wife, Sarah, or you may know them as Abram and Sarai, but those are the same characters. And God says, I'm going to make a covenant with you, Abraham. I'm going to make your descendants numerous. I am going to make uh, basically a holy nation out of your lineage. And so the irony at that time, was that uh, they were an infertile couple. And so eventually they have a son, Isaac. Isaac has a son. Um, One of his sons' name is Jacob. And then Jacob has a host of sons. uh, And that's why we call the tribes of Israel Uh, the 12 tribes. It's for the most part referring to Jacob's sons, and two of those are are Joseph's sons um, in the actual 12. But Joseph is one of Jacob's sons, and he's one of his younger sons, and his mother is Rachel. And so, um, again, this is someone who is born into this this, uh, covenant family, this covenant family, 
nation, growing nation uh, that we now know as the Jews or the Israelites um, uh, of the Lord. And so um, just picking up in Genesis 37, it says uh, in verse 2, these are the generations of Jacob, Joseph, when he was 17 years old. So it's a teenager that we were talking about. He was shepherding a flock with his brothers, and, and it lists all of their names. And it says, now Jacob or Israel, uh, before Israel was a nation, it is named after Jacob. So sometimes you see Israel and, and Jacob and God uh, named and called Jacob Israel. You see those used interchangeably, talking about the same person. Now Israel or Jacob loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he had made him a multicolored tunic. So if you grew up in church and then took a break from church, you probably remember the coat of many colors like not the Dolly Parton version, but the Joseph version. Um, So his dad made him this tunic that was multicolored, and that's kind of his claim to fame in Bible story land, right? So there was a bit of resentment between Joseph and his brothers because clearly his dad showed him favoritism. So it gets worse. Again, Joseph is a 17 year old kid, and uh, and he's going to make a decision that's not very wise in a minute. He he is a dreamer. He experiences dreams from the Lord, manifestation or revelation of, of knowledge from the Lord through dreams. That is a way uh, that the Lord communicates with him. And he has a dream concerning his brothers. And uh, in this dream, his brothers bow down to serve him, and he decides to go and share uh, share that information with his brothers. So that does not set well. Um, I am in the oldest of three siblings. And if, uh, if my parents had shown favoritism to one, that would have been horrible. Um, but then if that one had also suggested that I might worship and bow down to him, that would not have set well. I can tell you that right, right now. And so, um, so, so moving on in chapter 37, He's looking for, uh, Joseph is looking for his older brothers who are out pasturing their flocks. And in verse 18, it says, When they saw Joseph from a distance, even before he came close to, to them, they plotted to kill him. Now, in my household, it wouldn't have gone that far, but that's what we're dealing with in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is it's crazy. It's a little bit rated R sometimes. And this is a situation where there are very violent intentions. Make no uh, no mistake about that. So in verse 19, they said to one another, look, here comes this dreamer. Now let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say to our father, a wild animal killed and devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. Now Reuben, the eldest, heard this and rescued him from their hands and said, let us not take his life. Reuben said to them, do not shed his blood, but instead throw him alive into the pit that is here in the wilderness and do not lay a hand on him. And he said this so that he could rescue him and return him safely to the father. Now when Joseph reached his brothers, this is very important to remember, they stripped him of his tunic the multicolored tunic he was wearing. And then they took him and they threw him into the pit and the pit was empty and there was no water in it. So it's going to go on to actually tell us that they're going to sell him in 
to slavery to some Ishmaelites, and he's going to end up in Egypt as a slave. But I just want you to remember that they took his tunic and that they put him in a pit. So what does this have to do with you? And where are we, where are we landing this with entourage today? This today is a story about identity. Where was Joseph's identity? And, and was it in his circumstances or was it in, in the Lord? Because in the story right now where we've paused, Joseph is in a pit. In a minute, we're going to see him in a prison, and then we're going to see him in a palace. And Joseph's circumstances were ever-changing. Um, there was always there were always some who had incredible favor toward Joseph, like his dad. We know at the, at the onset of this story, it said basically that his dad favored him above everyone else and that he clothed him differently because of it. And then there was great opposition from others, his brothers, because of that. And so in life, in our circumstances, I think so often we tend to find our identity with what our surroundings are. And, uh, and I don't think that's how God has called us to live. And I want to look at the constant nature of God's hand in Joseph's life, despite the circumstances that he was in. And I am inspired that, uh, that Joseph, uh, to an extent, maintained his identity, uh, to an extent greater than I would have been able to, maintain his identity uh, in, in, with the hand of the Lord on his life rather than succumbing to the discouragement of his circumstances around him. So I told you, his brothers threw him in a pit. They took his robe off of him, his multicolored robe. They take it back to the dad. Dad thinks he's dead. And now we pick up in chapter 39 in the book of Genesis, reading about Joseph in Egypt. It says, now Joseph was taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the royal guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph and even though he was a slave, he became a successful and prosperous man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Remember that. In this particular instance, in the first instance, God had given Joseph favor with his earthly father, Jacob or Israel. In chapter 39, we're seeing that God is giving favor to Joseph with his overseer, uh, who is a man named, named Potiphar, who is over um, the royal guard in the nation of Israel. It says, now his master... Potiphar saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to prosper and succeed in his hand. I love this. This guy, Joseph, is someone who is a slave and uh, he is a slave and experiencing a level of prosperity because of the favor of the Lord in his life. It says, so Joseph pleased Potiphar and found favor in his sight. Again, I've already stated that. God gave him supernatural favor with, with this guy, and he served him as his personal servant. He made Joseph overseer over his house, and he put all that he owned in Joseph's charge. Um, you're going to see also in these different circumstances of being uh, in the pit, in the prison, and in the palace, that not only does God increase favor in Joseph's life, uh, he increases what is within his care, what he what um, what he is stewarding and, and what resources he is managing. And this is all for a purpose, I might add. If you don't understand the significance of this, uh, just kind of as a um, 
a rainbow over the top of this picture, Joseph, that we're talking about. God is prospering Joseph because he is protecting the nation of Israel and Jesus Christ, our Savior, is going to be born out of that. So this man is a, a piece of a puzzle that we are part of. And so when God is doing something and showing people favor, um, it is for a reason. It is never just something to set on, to dwell on. It is because he is accomplishing uh, bringing Jesus into a situation. Um, and in this case, it's bringing Jesus into the world through a nation that was that was going to be blessed out of this lineage. So moving on, back to Genesis chapter 39, verse 5. It says, It happened from that time that um, he made Joseph overseer in his house, and, and that the Lord actually blessed the Egyptians' house also because of Joseph. So the Lord's blessing was on everything that Potiphar owned in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left all that he owned in Joseph's charge, and with Joseph there he did not need to pay attention to anything except the food that he ate. So I want to pause right here before we go into the next part. Just like in the circumstances of, of Joseph finding favor in his dad's sight and it bringing some, um, some animosity from his brothers or uh, some friction that he experienced, we're about to see uh, the friction side of the story. So we'll, maybe we'll divide it into two parts. We'll say we've got the favor side of the story. We've got the friction part of the story. This is the friction part of Joseph's service in Potiphar's household. Um, it says, Joseph was handsome and attractive. And then after a time, his master's wife looked at Joseph with desire and she said, lie with me. Um, th yeah, that's, she had bad intentions. <laughs> I'm pretty modest, so I'm not going to paraphrase that, but like lie with me, like she doesn't mean take a nap. <laughs> so uh, just to be clear on that. I've said this before in a different podcast, but it's worth noting again, when you see an enemy or an adversary at work in the scripture, it's worth noting um, that the prince of the air, the enemy, the serpent from the garden, Satan, um, it, it's painting a picture of how he works in our lives. And so I think there's great principle looking at this in verse seven. She's saying, lie with me. The enemy often seduces us first, right? We definitely see that with Eve in the garden. If you're not familiar with that story, go ahead and go back and read Genesis 3, and you'll see, you'll see a level of seduction, of invitation into something, something that we are not called to be part of. But verse 8, it says, Joseph refused, and he said to his master's wife, look with me in the house. My master does not concern himself with anything. He has put everything that he owns in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept anything from me except you because you're his wife. How then would I do this evil and sin against God and your husband? I love that Joseph remembered his identity uh, was part of the nation of Israel, was to the God of Israel, and he acted, um, he acted in great integrity in this moment. Verse 10, and so it was that she spoke to Joseph persistently day after day, but he did not listen to her or lie beside her or be with her. So if we're looking at Potiphar's wife in her, in her attack towards Joseph, she tries to seduce him and then she, she continues in persistence. That is relevant in our lives. The enemy seduces, and then he persists. I love that it says that he didn't lie with her, or he wasn't even with her at all. He was, he was walking in a lot more wisdom than he was uh, toward his brothers earlier in the story. 
Verse 11, then it happened one day that Joseph went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the men of the house were there. So she had gone, Potiphar's wife had gone to great lengths to isolate Joseph from everyone around him. The enemy does this in our life today. He seduces, he persists, and he isolates. Take note of that in your walk. She caught Joseph by his outer robe saying, lie with me. But he left his robe in her hand and he ran outside the house. Doesn't something seem familiar to you about this part of the story? With Joseph and his brothers, they took his coat of many colors and they put him in a pit. In this case, she is taking his garment. The enemy will always try to remove the sense of security that you have in the Lord. And every single time, we're going to see that he's going to get an upgrade in the end of this story. God's going to clothe him um, in, in royal clothing by the end of this story. But this is so the will of the enemy to get you in circumstances, to make you think that you've not been clothed by God on high, to make you forget about your favor. And, uh, and, and if he can get you in that place, that's right where he wants you. So, Joseph leaves the situation. When she saw that he had left his robe in her hand and run outside, she called to the men of her household and said, look at this. Your master has brought a Hebrew to mock and insult me. And he came to me um, to lie with me. And I screamed. When he heard me screaming, he left his robe with me and ran outside. So she left Joseph's outer robe beside her until his master came home. So in both with his brothers and in this case, they're taking that outer piece of garment and they're trying to articulate and bring um, accusation about what had gone on in Joseph's life. And neither one lined up with the truth because we know the full side of the stories, uh, both with his brother and with Potiphar's wife. And so, um, as you can imagine, uh, this did not go well. So she continues her accusation um, and, and shares with her husband, this man has tried to do this. And so last but not least, this podcast is not about the enemy. It's about identity. But while we're looking at Potiphar's wife, what did she do? Uh, she, she seduced, she isolated, she persisted, she tried to um, remove uh, the clothing of Joseph, and then she resorts to accusation. If you are in a place that you are feeling accused and condemned, that is probably the most popular uh, straw that the enemy has to play. And I just want to share with you a seed that you need to sow in your heart that is the scripture, Isaiah 54, 17. It says, um, that no weapon formed against me will prosper and every word uh, spoken against me will be refuted. And that this is uh, basically um, a heritage of the servants of the Lord or or uh, of the Lord's righteous folks. And so you can find different variations to that translation, but so often accusation is what goes on. So we're seeing this, this accusation occur over something that didn't happen. So now, Joseph ends up in prison. Verse 19, when Joseph's master heard the words of his wife saying, this is the way your servant treated me, accusation, 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 his anger burned. So Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. But guess what, ladies? The Lord was with Joseph and he extended loving kindness to him and gave him 
but he gave him favor in the sight of the warden. So again, we've got Joseph, um, who is highly favored in a totally different circumstance. Um, and and this time, I'd, I'd probably describe it saying the Lord is clothing him in his loving kindness and his, and his favor. And so it goes on in verse 22 of chapter 39, the warden committed to Joseph's care and management all the prisoners who were in the prison so that whatever was done there, he was in charge of it. So even more favor than what he'd experienced before. The warden paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and whatever Joseph did, the Lord made him to prosper. I love that. What is Joseph's identity? Someone favored by the Lord, someone clothed by the Lord, someone with authority from the Lord, and someone with a giftedness from the Lord that regardless of being in pit, prison, or palace, those circumstances did not did not affect uh, those areas of his life that we just spoke about. So uh, speaking of giftedness and moving directly into Genesis chapter 40, verse 1, it says, Now sometime later the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, Egypt's king. So Pharaoh was extremely angry with these officials, and he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. Ladies, if you are in less than ideal circumstances, God can still, um, God can still work in those circumstances. So the Lord is just lining everything up exactly the way that He He wants to line it up for what's going to be a, a beautiful uh, conclusion to to this passage of Scripture, and so. If, I'm not going to read the rest of this chapter to you, but what happens is that um, this baker and this cupbearer have these significant dreams. And Joseph not only was a dreamer, but he had an ability to interpret dreams. And so um, he, he interprets their dreams for them. And one of those interpretations is that, uh, that one of these servants of the Pharaoh are going to be released from prison and they're going to go back into the service of Pharaoh. And that comes to be. And so as, as this servant, uh, departs, um, Joseph reminds him whenever you're, you're back in Pharaoh's service, uh, please do not forget me. And so, uh, so it says in, in chapter 41, now it happened at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile. And it goes on to talk about um, this, this dream that Pharaoh has um, that is uh, disturbing to him. Um, and the cupbearer remembers two years after the fact um, that Joseph is gifted as an interpreter of dreams. And he says in chapter 41, verse 12, Now there was with us in the prison a young man, a Hebrew servant, the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted our dreams for us, to each man according to the significance of his own dream. And just as he interpreted for us, so it happened. I was restored to my office, and uh, the baker was hanged. And so Pharaoh calls on Joseph, and Joseph... Joseph interprets his dream, and uh, and as he interprets the dream for Pharaoh, again, the Lord grants him favor in Pharaoh's sight. And so the the message of the dreams was that Egypt was going to ex experience a season of famine and hunger, and so they needed to prepare for those, those years in advance. So in Genesis 41, verse 38, it says, So Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this, equal to Joseph, in whom is the divine Spirit of God? Guys, 
that's Joseph's identity, and that's our identity. We are, are, are women who have the Spirit of God inside of us, inside of our hearts and lives. Verse 39, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all of this, there is no one as discerning and clear-headed and wise as you are. May that be said about each of you that are listening. You shall have charge over my house, and all my people shall be governed according to your word and pay respect to you with reverence, submission, and obedience. Only in matters of the throne will I be greater than you in Egypt. So just thinking back to, to when Joseph was, was in his household, he really oversaw very, very little in his father's house. He may have participated in some oversight of, of the flocks. Uh, but then as he went to Potiphar's house, he had charge over a household. Then as he went to prison, he had charge over a prison. And now as he is in the presence of Pharaoh, divinely orchestrated by the Lord, he is be put, being put in charge of the land of Egypt. And it's because his identity is in the Lord. Verse 42, Then Pharaoh took off his own signet ring from his hand, and he put it on Joseph's hand, and he dressed him in vestments of fine linen, and he put a gold chain around his neck. Remember when uh, there was the friction in the early part of, of his story, and his brothers took his multicolored tunic. Then remember when Potiphar's wife tried to strip him of his garments, and everyone's coming at him from these different angles? He trusted in the Lord. He remembered his identity was in the Lord. And, and God turns this outcome so that he's clothed in fine lemon, fine, not lemon, excuse me, that would be very sour and uncomfortable, fine linen, and he put a gold chain around his neck. Verse 43, and he made him ride in his second chariot and runners proclaimed before him, bow the knee. And he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, though I'm Pharaoh, yet without your permission shall no man raise his hand to do anything or set his foot in all the land of Egypt. All classes of people shall submit to your authority. Then Pharaoh named Joseph, um, a long Egyptian name that we're going to skip, and he gave him uh, the daughter of, of Potiphar, a priest of On, and his, as his wife. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt to inspect and to govern it. Now, Joseph had been in Egypt for 13 years, and he was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Joseph departed from the presence of Pharaoh and went through all the land. In the seven abundant years, the earth produced handfuls for each seed planted. What an incredible story of a man um, who oftentimes had all odds against him from those uh, from certain people around him, yet had incredible favor divinely appointed uh, from the right people around him. And um, I've said this before in this podcast, but I just want to drive it home. Joseph's identity was not determined by his circumstances in a pit, in a prison, or in a palace. Joseph's identity was determined uh, by God. He was clothed always from the Lord. He was clothed in favor. 
He was given authority and he operated in a giftedness that brought him into the place that the Lord uh, desired for him to be. And so uh, just to bring some closure to the rest of the story, uh, in this famine that's predicted, Joseph's brothers um, are, are concerned and running low on supply. And so they go to the nation of Egypt to try and, and get resource for their family. And they do encounter Joseph there. And eventually Joseph uh, shows them mercy and forgives them. And all of his brothers and their family uh, come into the nation of, of Egypt and they, they prosper there. And, uh, and that's how they end up in, in Egypt before the, the big Moses Exodus story. That's how they end up there. And so uh, he says to his brothers, and this is what we have to remember. That's uh, a beautiful a passage of scripture. He says, uh, what you meant is harm toward me. The Lord intended for good. So I don't know where you are today in your circumstances. If you're living life in a pit, a prison, or a palace, and in all of those places, um, who the folks are that may be causing you friction, but remember your identity, your your clothing, your favor, your authority, your giftedness, that's in the Lord's hands. That's not in man's hands. And so if you remember that your identity is in Christ, you can come back to that always. What may be meant as harm uh, toward you by someone else, the Lord can work it for your good. And in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, we see that in Romans 8, verse 28, uh, all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. Um, True of Joseph, true for me, true for you today. So I'm going to pray for you, and I encourage you to dive into these chapters in Genesis for yourself and see what else the Lord would show you. Most gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you, God, that you work in our circumstances. I thank you that you are faithful beyond what the eye can see. I thank you, Father, that you give us favor in the places uh, that we need favor. I thank you that through the truth of your word, uh, we have wisdom and knowledge to know how the enemy tries to attack. So, Father, I pray for every woman that is listening that she would remember her identity is rooted in you and not circumstances, that she would resist uh, the seduction, the persistence, any isolation or any accusation of the enemy and that she would do that by remembering she is seated in you, in Christ, in the heavenly places. We have authority in you, Jesus. We thank you for that. Thank you so much, Father, that uh, not only is my identity in you regardless of circumstances, that you are with me regardless of circumstances. Um, That was recognized in Joseph's life. Not only was there divine favor uh, in in those circumstances, but it says that they saw that the Lord was with Joseph. May that be true for every woman listening today. May other people see it in her life, but may she be reminded of it, that you are with her, Lord. You're with her. You are good. And I think Thank you, Father, that a nation was preserved out of this and that our Savior came from that nation, Jesus Christ. We exalt his name. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to record this podcast. Bless the woman listening, Father, with your abundant goodness. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.